Check one, two. I think we just go with these. I don't think we mess with these guys. You don't think we'll need to for some purposes? How does the wind sound in it? Can't hear it. Can't hear it? Uh-uh. Look at me. Like, just put a wall Look up. Look at you. Wow. I'm thinking about you and your sound. All right. Now let us sync it all up. I think it will let us sync it. Is my microphone okay like this? Yeah, just try and maintain that same distance right there. Okay. All right, we're going to be talking to this monitor right up here. Oh, all right. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our very first outdoor podcast Q&A, Campfire Confession, the whole deal, the whole deal. We've got birds chirping. We've got the wind, wind blowing, blowing in the trees. We're sitting here next to the Forerunner with the 270 awning popped out. Sarah was a genius and said, hey, why don't we rob the walls from the Darchi awning and see if they fit? And it doesn't really fit, but, but it'll, it'll allow work. us yeah, yeah, to get a bit of a wind block up here. So, And even sunblock, too. Yeah, because that's that's where the sun's headed right now. Mm-hmm. So good call, babe. Thanks. Let's get this thing kicked off. First of all, just want to say thank you to our sponsors. That's right. You guys are patrons, the ones who keep us going day in and day out. We're going to cover a little bit more about that in some of the questions that you guys had. But uh, thank you guys for being there for us, especially in this time when, you know, it's a bit of a struggle for creators and everyone, no doubt. Um, But especially with, like, YouTube and stuff really cutting into our revenue and stuff. Having you guys on board definitely gives us a bit more confidence that uh, we can keep this thing going. So Mm -hmm. thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, speaking of patrons those are the questions that we're gonna that we're gonna start with tonight but first of all tonight did i say tonight you did say tonight because you're so used to doing it i'm at nighttime. so used to doing this at night and well and we had thought about doing it like at sunset yeah but then you would have been up all night putting this together and getting it uploaded we're so. cutting it close we're cutting this episode pretty doggone close we're out of adventure material we're just out. Like we we went and pulled all the archive videos, did some of the lost episode series, and showed you guys some pretty cute footage of Caroline when oh, she was little Caroline. Little Caroline. I get so distracted when we do the premieres. You're like, "Hello, are you going to say anything?" I'm like, "Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little distracted." Yeah. So as you guys know, we're still in the middle of the whole shelter in place COVID fiasco right now, and uh, we're ready to get back out there. Yeah. It's it's been a killer. I'm thinking that maybe next week, New Mexico will finally be officially open again, and we'll be able to get out there and get some some fresh, exciting content for you guys, and just to get out and <laughs> enjoy the wilderness again. It's right. uh, we're fortunate, you know, we are in the middle of 640 something acres right now, and having that separation has really been nice from you know neighbors and things, and we yeah, can get so out can and go for get walks out, yeah. and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough when you know what you really want to be doing right now, and you can't can't get out there and get after it. So yeah, excited for that. Well, and we're wrapping up school. Yep. So you're. Uh, I'm I'm wrapping up my school, and Caroline, this will be her last academic week. Mm-hmm. So. So I guess just to start things off, if you guys haven't been listening to the podcast on all the different podcast apps and stuff, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, you might not be aware of some of the in-depth ongoing things that have been discussed over there. So let me give you a quick rundown. Um, If you remember early in season two, we bought the RV and there was the whole RV debacle. And we've had a lot of people asking about that. 
that situation is still ongoing. It's been over a year now, and we still haven't had a court date yet. So we're working towards a resolution. We feel very confident with the evidence that we have. And that's about all we can say about the whole thing, because even if it rules in our favor, there's probably going to be clauses that we can't disclose things about the case. So that is what it is. It's been quite the struggle, um, but we're getting through it. And so from that whole issue, we had to move back to New Mexico, and I had to go back to work for for a while. So I went to work for, what, like six, seven months yeah, at my old job site and just scrimped and saved and, and got to the point to where we can make those RV payments and stuff for a pretty good period. Yeah, comfortably. And um, we were very fortunate. We have some good friends here in New Mexico that allowed us to rent their, their double-wide trailer out here on the ranch mm-hmm. and uh, got a really good deal on that. So we've been able to really keep our costs down very and survive and, and move forward and got to go on a lot of adventures here in our old stomping grounds in New Mexico. And so it's been really good. It's like it coming has. home for yeah, us. Yeah, it's felt like coming home. So uh, so that's why we're here in New Mexico. We're still still based out of this area. Um, as far as future plans, some of you guys have asked, you know, what's next for us? I, I don't think that we can answer that very concrete, nor can anyone at this point. We right. had we had some big plans. We had some huge plans. So we had planned on going to... Well, do you want to tell yet? Just in case we get to do it next year? Well, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So, and we have already talked about it. Oh, that's true. So, you might know, we originally were planning to go to Scotland, and that was like, that was the big thing. Mm -hmm. And we'd even worked out a deal with a company called um, Scotland Overland, and they rent fully outfitted rigs similar to what we did in Costa Rica. And we were all psyched about that. And then one of our patrons that we've been working with through this whole process said, hey, we're looking at going to Norway to cross the Arctic Circle again, go up to Nord Cap and the Arctic Ocean there, would you guys like to join us? And we're like, okay, sign <laughs> us up. And so this little plan of international travel just snowballed into this trip to Norway and then down through Sweden and then spending some time in the UK and then kind of crescendoing into a finale there in Scotland for about three weeks. Yeah. And um, that's all that's all up in the air at this point, obviously. So, um you know, we're hoping some of it still works out. I don't think we're going to be able to, to encompass all of it, but that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we've got we'll stay a, flexible. a lot of really good plans and stuff for Southwest travel. And um, to be honest, I think that's what a lot of our viewer base wants to see because it gives them some, you know, achievable ideas um, and places to travel and things like that. But we are also wanting to expand our experiences and see, see new countries yeah. from from a four-wheel drive vehicle as well. So it'll come around. It'll come around eventually. We also have some uh, tentative plans for 2021. Do you want to share a little bit about what we might be doing in early 21? Uh, Looks like we may potentially be doing um, Australia Mm -hmm. and New Zealand. Absolutely. Yeah. So So if you remember the uh, couple from the Dempster Highway that we rescued from from the swamp the there, the tundra swamp. Uh, they're from Australia, obviously, and they've invited us to come down and use one of their uh, rigs. They have a Defender 130, I think, with one of his custom camping setups built onto it. This thing is just incredible. Um, he actually used to run 
a company that sold these truck bed things that went on the back of the defenders and opened up in this amazing tent structure. And so, yeah, we're going to get to go down there and, and play with that at some point in time and then work our way on over to New Zealand as well. So lots of really cool mm-hmm. international plans, but the more realistic thing, what we're shooting for right now is a lot of intense Southwest travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would really like to work our way back into Canada, back up into Canada. BC has been calling us ever since yeah. we left and, you know, Vancouver Island and stuff like that. So pretty doggone excited about any prospect that works out at this point. I mean, just, just to get up to Lincoln National Forest right now would be, <laughs> We'd be pretty happy would with be that. pretty doggone nice. Not going <laughs> to lie. So, so yeah, that's pretty much the rundown. Like I said, you know, Sarah's been going to school while we've been here in New Mexico. The idea was that while I was working my job, how could she be productive and, and do some things that she was excited about? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, she's been going to school. Well, why don't you tell them what you've been going to school for? Well, I've been going to school for my cosmetology uh, associate's degree, and then I'll go and take the board's exam and get my licensure. So um, it's just something that I've always wanted to do um, ever since I was a little kid. And uh, it just seemed like the right opportunity to um, be able to just kind of dive in and quickly get it done. Yeah. So. Well, and also when we got in the situation with the RV, it was like, well, it would be great if she had some type of income yeah, career possibilities to fall back as well. On. Yeah. So that if you know something happened to me, you know, it, it, we wouldn't just be totally sunk. Yeah. Because, so. I mean, I'm a good waitress, but <laughs> I'm almost 32. <laughs> I don't want a waitress. I understand. I understand. Well, this gives you a chance to be creative too. Yes, so. absolutely. So anyhow, that's that should bring you up to speed. Mm-hmm. I hope that's kind of got it all covered. Um, we're going to dive into things about the Forerunner, things about the GX, things about the Beast, and uh, yeah, as we go through these questions. So let's get right into it. Let's start with questions from our patrons. All right, first question from John Simmons. What drone are you using for aerial shots? We are currently using the Mavic 2 Pro with the Hasselblad um, sensor on it. That has been an absolute game changer. That sensor is, allows you to adjust aperture. So you might have noticed some like really crisp low-light shots. That was just because the thing, I think it's a one-inch sensor on it, if I remember correctly. It allows you to really crank up that uh, the aperture and that ISO and get some decent shots in low light situations, and uh, it's just changed the game. And a, a big a big thing about that is I've really learned a lot about um, ND filters. So getting that frame rate to the right sequence so that it has this natural motion blur has been a big thing this year. And we'll get into the camera gear as we go a little bit further on, but. Having that in conjunction with some snap-on ND filters has allowed us to get just some truly incredible shots, and it's been a it's been a great drone. Oh, it's yeah. done a really good job. Okay, so the next question is actually from two patrons, uh, Ben Horn and Micah Howard. Want to know um, how about our thoughts on camper-style trailer versus the turtleback-style trailer, and would we consider having one instead of the turtleback? And Mike is saying this is something he wants to know about as well. Um, basically, hard-sided shelter versus soft-sided shelter when it comes to wind, rain, security. That's so like a hard sleep-in. Yeah. So basically, rooftop tent on a trailer versus a hard-sided sleep-in trailer, and that's you know, that's really something that we went through 
several times as we as we tried to decide what we wanted to sleep in. And I mean, I'll let you answer what your thoughts are. But for me, the teardrops that that I looked at and climbed in when we were in that decision process, it just felt claustrophobic. It felt like another RV, and there wasn't this connection to to the outdoors that you would get when you sleep in a tent. And we were really enjoying our time in our Coleman Dome tent. And so we just really wanted the security of being up off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, that was always a hard thing for me in New Mexico because it's open range and you always have these cattle and stuff coming through camp. And I was concerned, you know, if the cattle's got to fighting, which happens, you know, I grew up on a farm or something spooks them and they just charge through camp. I didn't feel comfortable being on the ground. And now there's actually black, black bears in Lincoln National Forest as well. So that definitely got me motivated to get up and off the ground. And once we did, we really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, there's been some some rough times, as you saw in some of the recent videos in Death Valley. When that wind is whipping, you know, when it's above 20 miles an hour, that, that tent gets to flapping pretty hard. And you can do things to reduce the sound. You can take the rain fly off. Um, but and if that's going to annoy you, it might not be you know, the best, best choice for you. Um, but yeah, there's also a level of claustrophobia that comes with sleeping inside a, a teardrop. Um, you got to kind of wiggle your way in and stick your feet down or vice versa. And, um, you lose a ton of storage when you do that. So all your extra things are going to have to go on top of your bed. And then that's going to all have to come out before bedtime. And if it's not waterproof or if it's muddy or if it's raining, now you've just introduced a whole bunch of other stuff that has to go back on your bed, wet or muddy. Um, so those were just kind of things that we processed through. But I'm not going to lie. There's been times when it's been rainy and cold and, and windy where it'd be like really nice mm-hmm. to climb inside. And I think this all comes back to everything's a trade-off. You you just have to kind of pick the one thing that best fits what you want to do. Yeah. So I don't know what your What's your thoughts on a hard-sided versus rooftop tent? Uh, I think now that I have lived full-time in it, uh, I would prefer, if we full-time again, to find a sleep-in option. A hard-sided, yeah. Something that I could uh, cook a little bit in so I'm not always out in the weather Mm -hmm. um, is, I think, what I would prefer. The if. If I had my druthers, right. <laughs> you know, right. uh, just because I, I enjoy the turtleback. I like it. I, I love sleeping in our tent. Um, but yeah, when it's super cold or it's super windy, the rain doesn't bother me so much. We've never had like a soaked tent or no. blankets or pillows or anything. So I don't feel like that's necessarily been an issue per se, but, mm-hmm. um, definitely the cold and the wind, um, would be really nice to be able to have a little more inside space along with even some some cooking space. So yeah. um, safety-wise, uh, because we were off the ground, I never felt uh, concerned, and we were always uh, super bear aware. Mm-hmm. So that, um, you know, that hasn't been an issue. Now, maybe for some people, they would prefer or feel safer in um, a hard-sided situation but i feel like if you're just super bear aware and careful either one is fine yeah so. that is the the, the trade-off would be to cook inside and to sleep inside mm-hmm. is the size goes up exponentially and so 
what you would find quickly is that it's not a trailer that you can necessarily take, take with the you You're right. everywhere that you go. Uh-huh. Um, and that's okay. That's a trade-off. I have to say, of of like that style trailer, the one that's stood out to me has been, um, I think it's called the Mantis. It's by Taxa Trailers or something like that. It's not, I mean, they call it an off-road trailer, but, you know, the suspension and stuff and the wheel size and, and just the ruggedness is not going to stand up to, you know, the abuse of washboards and, and um, you know, rough trails. But the comforts that it has are pretty substantial. You cook inside, you know, it's got a pop-up. So it does have a canvas wall on that pop-up portion, but it's not going to be as loud as, yeah, as a rooftop a full tent. Canvas, yeah. um, and then you can all sleep inside. So... That one's always been impressive to me. I think it was actually designed by an ex-NASA engineer, and you can tell because there's a lot of aircraft-inspired um, bracketry and things like that inside. Um, so, yeah, that one's always stood out to me. That might be an option for someone who's looking for you know, more of a hard-roaded-based trailer they can base camp out of and then take off to the rough stuff. Yeah. So, But, yeah. Okay, patron Doug Britton says, Whoa was the inspiration for your branding love the bear and mountain backed by the topo lines so when we were in death valley the first time back Mm -hmm. in 2017 we were talking about you know let's come up let's come up with a logo we'd already started our social media and really wanted something that you know expressed who we were and what we do and stuff and there's a mountain just outside of death valley it's actually south of death valley it's called eagle mountain and if you if you notice that original design has um, a GPS track in the shape of a mountain, that profile is from Eagle Mountain. It's not exactly precise. We had to stretch it a little bit just because it was, you know, a little bit of a different shape. But uh, that's where that came from. And then the bear, the bears is I don't know. It's always been something just, you've liked. Yeah, I like yeah. it. It's a cool animal. It's something that you don't see much of in the wilderness, and so. Yeah, it was really cool to just kind of take that idea and play with it. And it's taken us several years to, to get to this point. But, you know, we took the, the whole topo line idea and just applied it to, to the bear yeah. design, and it popped. I mean, yeah. it just, the first time I saw that, um, Claire Dowie, actually, she's the one who, who did the final design on that. I was like, okay. <laughs> I think is. I think we've got something now. And, uh, yeah, we're working on incorporating that into more of the graphics on the on the website on t-shirts uh you saw the mama bear t-shirt that just freaking blew up yeah Uh, we couldn't keep them in stock and and now we got some more coming but anyhow that's kind of how the the whole thing got started um just a few things that we were inspired by Mm -hmm. in our travels wanted to use yeah all right patron darren pemberton asks what kinds of processes do you have in place to help ensure you don't burn out and begin to resent the very thing you created (laughs) <laughs> do you want to answer that <laughs> do you want me to answer that because i feel like i could say what i think and then sarah's going to just call bs yes. and shoot me down uh-huh um the answer is no no we do not have any processes in place to prevent burnout well and that's except for i feel like when you are feeling burnout or if i'm feeling burnout we'll like go to the other and like kind of start talking about it. And I can sense when you're burnout or you'll just straight up be like, Sarah, I'm almost a burnout. Right. And then what ends up happening is our conversation evolves into why do we do this? 
why did we choose like always going back to our why and that kind of reignites the the energy and the excitement for what we do and why we do it that's true and generally an email comes along from someone who's been through an incredibly difficult time in their life and and they share how our stories and adventures have inspired them and helped them to carry on and and so that that definitely feeds into the motivation. The other piece of it, and you know, people, I know, I know that the on the outside looking in, this seems like it's always fun and and Easy rainbows and, and unicorns and stuff, and um, it's a lot of daggum work. Yeah, it really is a lot of work, and I it's a lot of creativity and planning. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and and I have n- I've never been caught up. I have never been to a position no. in my creative process where I said, hey, wow, I'm ahead. I can take a break. Yeah. No. Um, but the thing is, is it's like we still got to eat. We still got to keep these vehicles rolling and fuel coming. And um, you might have a job that you're burnt out on constantly like I was back back when I was working a, what they call a real job. But um, you still went to work. But I still went to work yeah. even when it sucked. And so right. sometimes you just got to buckle down and. And keep going and hope for a, a better day and a better attitude when, you know, when, when you get done with the next video. And so um, it's it's definitely a different um, experience when it comes to a career. And uh, it's you have to constantly be creative. Now, I have I have come up with some things that I'm doing now that I hadn't done for two years. And I'm actually taking one day off per week now granted it's not a hundred percent off i'm still doing social media and things like that but yeah but um, you're not in your office from 8 a.m to 6 p.m or or, longer or longer so i've i've tried to give my mind a bit of a break and that has helped tremendously i think it's made me better at my creativity i think the videos are better um just to have that psychological break um sometime and i think you've gotten a little bit more organized too yeah and, you know, I'll work on this for this time and then I'll hop over here and then right. I'll go back if I didn't finish it or something. And I think also something, too, that I think we both have gotten better at, too, is being specific about expectations. For example, <laughs> I told Kevin this year, I don't want to be camping for my birthday yeah. or our anniversary because mm-hmm. we have the last couple of years. And uh, so I told him, I was like. My expectation this year is that I want to do something different for my birthday and our anniversary. And I feel like that has helped, you know, both of us, you know, or he'll be like, hey, I want to film this, but I need you involved. You need to be thinking about this, this and that and that. How do you want to say it? You know, kind of thing. And I think by by laying our expectations out first Mm -hmm. has allowed for um, more creativity uh, for also accomplishment actually getting things done yeah too not mm-hmm. just hey what a great idea and then not doing anything about it so. <laughs> that's true yeah much more intentional about the path forward yeah yeah in the past treating we just, it as a job that's true and and in the past we just had gobs and gobs of adventure footage that needed to be done and so it was easy mm-hmm. to to jump in and pull that and now that backlog is gone right and so it's definitely a lot more planning okay let's go to this area and let's do this recipe and maybe we try and pick another activity while we're out there. In the meantime, um, you know, attempting to make sure that we're still enjoying it as a family because that's 
that's why we did while mm-hmm. we did this and um so yeah it is it is a new balance because it truly is our our source of income and our our sustenance so um yeah we're still working on there's not a perfect answer to that right and you talk to different YouTubers, you'll get a different answer every time. But uh, it's just a lot of dang work, and it's a good thing that I enjoy most of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, patron hungers, what skid plates do you use? <laughs> right now we still have the factory beaten and bashed skid plates on the Forerunner. Currently over in Phoenix, we have a pallet full of gear from Victory 4x4 that has some skids. So the GX will be starting out with an official set of aluminum skid plates <laughs> from Victory 4x4. We're just trying to get over there. Yeah. Mike and Rachel Gas Camp. A big question about mechanical mods to silver. What have you done to make a run like you want? Snorkel, regear, etc. And what, if anything, is left on your list? What would you change or do differently to the mods that you have done? Um, silver is pretty much pretty much taken care of. Um, I don't really have any big plans at this point. Um, we're always open to testing new things for, you know, various companies when they come out with a new product. And so you might see some things get swapped in and swapped out. I would eventually probably go with a full size front bumper. Um, but you know, this, the Southern style off road slimline has been Mm -hmm. great. It's probably saved us quite a bit of uh, fuel economy as well, just being a lightweight solution to, to carry our winch with and give us recovery points. So um, that would purely be a vanity improvement at this point. The uh, So something that I probably would rethink next go around, and this kind of changes uh, with time, and I would probably not jump into the rear bumper upgrade quite so quickly. It's a very, very heavy very, very expensive modification. It does get the spare tire into a more accessible location. And initially that's about it. Um, You know, if you're doing some crazy off-road stuff, if you're doing some rock crawling and you're starting to hit your factory bumper, then sure, you might look at upgrading that. But I would say that if I was going to do it again, I might look at going with a lighter weight, lower profile rear bumper uh, just to reduce the weight on that rear axle. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably the reason why those rear wheel bearings went out so quick was it, it was pretty doggone heavy back there. So yeah, that was, that'd be the only thing that I would either delay or change just a bit. So patron Eric Dober, um, he's asking about a removable teardrop pod for a utility trailer. Um, so they can still use the trailer as a multi-purpose, so like a utility trailer for around the house and stuff. So I think that's a cool idea. I've seen a handful of home-built trailers where they've actually put a uh, pop-up camper in the back, like a uh, f- uh, four-wheel, is it four-wheel campers? Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen those where they just put them in the back. Um, that might be an option for you. When you are building a trailer, number one consideration, though, if you're going to take it off-road, suspension. Think long and hard about the suspension that you're going to use on that. Be ready to air down those tires and have good tires that you can air down. And that'll save you a lot of heartache in the long run, making sure that you're not damaging components inside that trailer. Um, but I think it's a cool concept. I think that that, uh, that could be really handy for a lot of folks. Yeah, that sounds really neat. Yeah. 
Patreon Charlie Toner, tips on building a subscriber base for a YouTube channel. I know the dollar model has changed drastically in the last year. Trying to get a close friends channel built up, they are just under 700 subscribers. I think that if there was a magic bullet, you'd be a millionaire at this point. We would too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very difficult, and especially getting into YouTube right now with everyone being at home or being laid off. And they're just having fun posting stuff on YouTube. So there's a plethora of content out there. That's why our part of the reason why our revenue is down over 70% since this all started from, from YouTube. Um, so that makes it very difficult to be motivated to get into it. Really, um, the key to growing your channel is creating con quality content that is true to who you are. People can tell when it's fake. Yeah. Um, you you just want to go out there and have a great time, number one, and that can be carried over into the videos that you're creating. And and that's really what draws people in, being honest, being genuine, and always improving. You know, you can go and look at other channels that, that you admire, that have large followers, and try and replicate some of the techniques and things that, that they're doing. Um, but there's no magic bullet. We, we're just incredibly stunned yeah. and grateful to be where we are now. It, it wasn't, I wouldn't say anything special that we did. We just told our story and um, it got picked up and the algorithms <laughs> sprang yeah. to life and allowed us this incredible opportunity. So be consistent, stay after yeah. it. That's the other piece of it is just being consistent. Stay and, after it, um, be authentic. That's it. That's it. Don't take any time off. Yeah. <laughs> Landy Andy 4x4 says, how do you make a story to film or just film and make a story with the footage you have? And how do you keep a positive mental attitude? You know, I've, I have, I don't have a hard set formula. I do have a shot list that I made a long time ago and I rarely look at it. I just kind of go from the hip, which is something that I'm working on changing. I'm trying to be more intentional as we go forward. But really, it comes down to trying to observe what is happening in the moment and ask yourself, is this part of the story? This, is this something that I need to capture? I think a lot of different filmmakers and YouTubers have their different techniques. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of have to find the one that fits, fits you the most. Um, checklists are really good just to make sure you don't get back after a big trip and you're like, I didn't. I forgot they get that yeah, shot. I didn't get a single drone shot or I didn't get any cooking or that was a really great time around the campfire and I didn't get up and get my, um, my camera. So just being aware of what's happening and envisioning that story when you get back to the edit booth and, and trying to decide, okay, do I need to be using the camera right now? Do I need to get a piece of this? Um, yeah, you just kind of have to be cognizant of... Well, and I think also, too, in your case, you've always been a natural storyteller. Like, I, it's funny how when you tell stories about when you were a kid, you know, it's you, I, you can visualize what's happening. And I see Caroline doing that mm -hmm. often now too when she's telling her story she'll be like so there was this horse and it was yellow and it was prancing through this beautiful green field you know like yeah. she's picking up on this is how dad tells his stories mm -hmm. I like that I'm gonna try it and so I feel like for you naturally that 
it comes naturally to you. Whereas for me, when I did my girls trip, I had to think real hard about like, okay, what are we going to do? How should I film this? Like I had to think about what I wanted my story to be to make sure I didn't miss something. And then even after I got home and was looking at the footage, I was like, there's nothing here. (laughs) We can't tell anything with this. And then Kev's like, no, we got it. And I was like, oh, this this is entertaining. You know, so I mean... I think some of it for you is natural talent, but I think that also can be cultivated, like you said, mm-hmm. by create a shot list. Yeah. Decide when you go on this trip, hey, I'm going on a hiking trip with my kid. You know, tell us how you got there. Right. Tell us how it was on the trail. Right. When you get back, mm-hmm. you know, show the celebratory sharing of a Coca-Cola or an Icy or something. Sure. You know, like that that has a lot of potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you'll find your own style. That's the other thing. If mm-hmm. you're just a carbon copy of someone else, people will pick up on that too. Yeah. So find your style. Tell your story. Yeah. Uh, patron Steve Sykes, what is the best way we can support you? Patreon, merch. What gives you the highest percentage of money I spend? Also, when are you guys going to do a trail ride, a Patreon trail ride? Um, the best way to support us is on Patreon. Um, even if it's just five bucks a month, uh, knowing that that's coming in consistently, steadily allows us to better budget mm-hmm. where we're going with things. Um, the merch we get a percentage of of the sales. You know, we have this this new deal now with OverlandStyle.com. We kind of stepped away from having that store as just our gear, and kind of created its own little entity there with the ability to bring in other creators and have a place where you can get, you know, multiple different creator patches and stuff for stickers and and t-shirts in one spot. And by pulling our resources, now these creators who didn't even have t-shirts available for their viewers have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it opens up another income stream for them on top of YouTube, which has been, you know, kind of punishing, punishing us a bit lately. So, um, so yeah, Patreon number one. The merch is still excellent. I I love the fact that you guys are are wearing the gear and marketing for us. Yeah. And just uh, so yeah, all of it's great. As for a Patreon trip, we actually had one on the docket. We did. We were was that this weekend? In, no, it was going to be in April. Yeah. Uh, I think the weekend after Easter was when it was supposed to be. Mm. So. Yeah, we postponed. We that. tried. It's it's postponed <laughs> indefinitely, and and that is a challenging thing because you know there's a lot of legality that comes into that. We're not we're not tour guides. We're right. we're not trail guides. There can be some legal issues if we say, hey, we're going on a trail ride. This is a lifestyle overland trail ride, and we get out there and someone it's flips hard. the rig or something, mm-hmm. and and now oh well, I was with this organization, and they said, come on, you know, like unfortunately in this day and age we have to think about those types of things and so if we do anything it'll just be a hangout hey we're going to be camping over there if you guys want to come and camp too we're over there like Mm -hmm. uh very informal so but no we're definitely wanting to do some of that but the whole world's on on its head at this point when it comes to to gatherings and so we're going to give it a bit more runtime until we decide when that next one's going to happen but good question all right, so patron Chase Cruz asks, best local brew on your travels? Mm. Well, I, I I mean, I don't remember the names of any of them. I do. I know my favorite. Oh. My favorite was Hoodoo Brewery in Fairbanks, where we met Jeff Cooper. 
Oh. Yeah. He's the guy that saved our bacon and they brought us that 12-point socket like an hour and a half up the road. Yeah. That was so nice. When we were fixing the icon. So. But yeah. They had great beer. And the food trucks that would come in there. Yeah. Phenomenal. We had Indian pizza or uh, Indian flatbread that one night. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then like fish and chips another night. Yeah. Because we went twice. It was delicious. <laughs> it was incredible. That was good. And but I remember I had some good stuff in like... As we were making our way north, like in Utah, right. Idaho, I tried to always buy local, like locally brewed stuff. Yeah, that was fun. Getting a, you know, a six pack of something of a local, local. flavor. Mm-hmm. But boy, that the Kolsch that they had up there at Hoodoo. Oh, yeah, that was really good. So refreshing. So delicious. Man, that so. makes me want one right now. Right? Yeah. So any other one that really stands out? What was the one that we had the day we crossed into Canada. I liked a lot of the Alaska Brewing Company. Okay, yeah. Beers. Mm-hmm. And but you can actually buy those anywhere now. Sure. But those were good. Yeah. Uh I have a picture of it. <laughs> Cuz I shamelessly took a self a shelfie. A shelfie? Yeah. We'll see. Good old LTE. There you go. Coming in hot. Oh, it's not going to let me load it. Nope. It's on my Instagram. <laughs> so it's a picture of me holding it like this. The internet is basically non-existent here. So, anyhow, maybe you can pop up a picture. Yeah. Ding. Mm-hmm. Um, patron Jonathan Custer, with all your electrical gear in silver and the trailer to keep charged, have you found the need to upgrade your alternator? No. With all the solar that we have on board, the DC to DC charger that we have going to the auxiliary battery on silver, and the fact there's like 210 amp hours in the trailer itself we're pretty much set um there were times in alaska when it rained for three weeks straight and we didn't have solar yeah we got a little low and we were stationary for multiple days that it got low because i was editing and laptops just a power hog uh but no the alternator itself has not been upgraded and i researched that quite a bit and decided i would rather rely on the reliability of a toyota alternator than digging in there and putting something else so that was kind of my my thought process. Yeah. Dan and Michelle Luna, how are you getting those great multi-view shots in the cabin of silver, and what gear are you using to get those shots? I've tried using the GoPro, but sometimes too much stabilization takes away from the feel of actual experience. Uh, most of those shots are actually from our GH5. We use the Manfrotto tripods, and there's a quick connect plate that we put on all of the cameras. And I actually found a receiver for those plates that I bolted to the top of the stereo section of the Forerunner. And so most of those in-cab shots are from that one position. Uh, For action cams, we're using the DJI Osmo action cams because the GoPros that we have used have been absolute headaches. And these guys have been rock solid. So... Uh, a lot of the shots that you're seeing in season two are coming from from those guys as well. But uh, yeah, there you go. Patron William Dawson says, Amanda wants to know what your all-time favorite road trip song is that your family sings along to. So what is our favorite road trip song that we sing along to? That we sing along to? We sing along to a lot of stuff. Yeah. We have an eclectic selection but when I, Caroline was littler, I would say uh, Ryan Bingham's oh. Tell My Mama. Tell My Mother I Miss Her So. Yeah, Tell My Mother I Miss Her So. Which is a great Mother's Day song. Yes. Yeah, coming up this Sunday. 
Uh, so there was that. That was always a classic. I, I would also s- think fa- family and friends, like what yeah. we played in our uh, northern videos, mm-hmm. them and upstate. I feel like we sang a lot. Yeah, those. that's true. I actually turned Upstate on in the car the other day when Caroline went and I went to run errands and like she was, I had something else on and she told me, she's like, mom, do you like this? And I was like, you don't? She's like, nope. <laughs> so I changed it to that and she, we were singing along to it. So I would say the one that stands out to me is uh, <laughs> Imagine Dragons. Oh, uh-huh. And what's the name of the song? Just a young gun with a quick fuse. I was uptight. I don't remember. I don't know the names of the songs. I'm the worst Ah, at that. Anyhow, it's that Imagine Dragons. An ex music major. (laughs) Sorry for singing. So sorry for singing. Uh, Craig W., our patron that we actually went along with on the Death Valley trip that just came out. He was the guy in the uh, tan TRD. Okay. Have you ever ended up on a dead end road with no room to turn around with the trailer? What do you do? You back it out real slow. Um, we've not had any devastating dead ends. Yeah, we've always found, or if if we did, we we did back out a little bit until we found a place where we could kind of turn around. Yeah, and the thing about the turtle back is, and, and if you play with it enough, you can crank that thing to mm-hmm. more than ninety degrees. So, you know, you make a hard left, and then you make you pull forward. Then you put it in reverse, make a hard right, and back into the trailer, which is counterintuitive. Get that thing in a V-shape yeah. and then cut back in it. And there's been two or three times where we've done that. I remember one particular in British Columbia, we had to do that mm-hmm. in a real tight trail. Uh, worst case scenario, though, you disconnect the trailer, you turn the vehicle around, then you grab the nose of the trailer and, and whip it around. it around. Yeah, like the two of us can manhandle that trailer. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the, the turtle back, the nose weight on that thing is about 150 pounds. So, and if you open the tailgate, you can reduce that as well. You yeah. can put that spare tire out there as a counterbalance. And I've many times moved around by myself. No problems. Yeah. You're so strong. So manly. <laughs> Patron Marshall Dutton. I think we all appreciate your tor- your storytelling. I appreciate... Uh, <laughs> I think we all appreciate your storytelling and hard work. But do you ever just leave the cameras at home and go out for just a family slash camping road trip? Do you feel the, the need to escape your job and have some family downtime away from creating multiple platforms of content? No. <laughs> I have tried, too. Yeah. But the answer is no. Now, that's true. It's been difficult. I mean, it, it would be one thing if I could get enough backlog of content that I felt safe going out and doing that. But I, I've just been so busy in the recent history uh, with getting our overlandstyle.com website stuff set up. That's been very time-consuming. Then I also manage six other social media accounts in the industry that are not associated with Lifestyle Overland. And so uh, there's a significant amount of my time that's devoted to these two other jobs. And so when we get out, I am trying to trying to tell a story. But I will say, I enjoy it. And I have a, I have a hard time not filming not doing something i have a heart like I, it's hard for me to to just sit and relax and do nothing i'm getting better yeah but uh, that's a good point probably something that we need to work on and, and not try we and... i'm great at it <laughs> he has often told me he's like i'm very jealous of how good you are at not doing anything <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you're welcome learn from me watch yeah. me yeah watch this yeah <laughs> 
So, but no, good point. I do need to to get better at that. Maybe one day when we get caught up, we'll we'll get there. All right, Patreon. Elsewhere Overland, what are your plans now that COVID-19 has upended everything? Still heading to Scotland this summer? Wait and see. We already answered this uh, earlier, earlier on. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we're just playing it by ear. Mm-hmm. The COVID thing is just, yeah. The good news is we're very mobile. We can drop and go whenever we need to. That's yeah. We don't have very deep roots here. Our living room furniture is what we're sitting, sitting in, in right now. now. <laughs> Our camp chairs. So yeah. And we've been here a year now. Yeah. And we've not bought That's crazy. furniture. Our dining room table is folding chairs mm-hmm. and a plastic folding table. Yeah. With yeah. a tablecloth. And you've seen my studio. That's just a black tablecloth over, over a plastic a folding, table. <laughs> folding table. Yeah. Yeah. We're very, very mobile here. So... We uh, could pack our house up in probably two days. Oh, yeah. Or one day if we just non-stopped it. We could probably get everything out in the case of a fire right now, to be honest with you. Maybe not the kitchen <laughs> stuff. I did. A, I love to cook, so I yeah, I do, pulled uh, a lot of you, kitchen stuff out of storage. You pulled a lot of, of stuff out of storage, yeah. Okay, anyway. Uh, patron Tim and Michelle Davis, a.k.a. Dinosaur Overland. What do y'all's families think of your unusual occupation? <laughs> Well, actually, my parents are Patreon supporters, mm-hmm. um, one of our upper-level tiered ones. Uh, I think it's a way for them to <laughs> keep tabs. I mean, we talk every day, but, you know, mom doesn't sometimes, or and dad even, doesn't sometimes, like, know our trips. And so when they watch our YouTube videos, mom has m- commented multiple times. She's like, I am glad that I don't know about this in the moment. <laughs> She's like, I'm glad I'm watching this after you've already yeah. gotten home and I know you're safe. Yeah. Uh, so I think they think it's neat. And mm-hmm. even like my siblings and stuff, I think that I think they think it's great. Uh, I still they don't get it. Like I, I had a conversation with my sister one time where she goes like the drive by shots. She goes, you have to turn around and go back and get them, don't you? I said, yeah, I do. She's like. Wow, that's time consuming. I'm like, yeah, we look like real idiots on the road, like driving by. Yeah, I'm sure we're uh, we're in- entertaining to watch from afar. Yeah, but we've gotten pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. It helps have another driver. I really appreciate the work that goes into folks like Venture Forward and and Swell Runner and Primal Outdoors. Like those guys are running by themselves for the most part and getting out and setting up that camera and running back to the, the vehicle and driving past it. Yeah, because when you've gone on trips without me, you're like, dang, Sarah, I need a driver at least. I mean, I still get a heck of a workout, but I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, without without Sarah. It makes it a lot easier. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so what do you think, how do you think your family thinks about our... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think they find it very entertaining. I think that they've always been encouraging and, and they do watch. Um. And my brothers, you know, like, especially like Kyle, who does all of our music, you know, he's, he's in a very creative space as well. So, um, I think it's kind of a, it's, they've gotten used to our craziness and it's just part of life at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But they are supportive. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. I think they do ask like, how much longer are you doing this? I think we all get that kind of question too. Yeah, and I mean that's a question we ask ourselves. You yeah, know, and, and we definitely what, reevaluate what it looks like. And, and there's actually a question in this that that'll touch on that here in just a minute. Okay. So. All right, next question from patron Sam Chun or Chun. I apologize if I don't pronounce these right. 
How much of a difference is there between the KO2s and KM3s on the road? Off-road, I'm sure the KM3s are a lot more capable, but I will likely be traveling eight-plus hours on pavement to get to the spots that I want to visit. Um, there is a slight slight difference in noise with the KM3s, and a lot of that yeah. depends on the pressure that they're running at and the temperature outside. Some days, I think it's about the same. Uh-huh, I do too. But colder days, lower pressures, it starts you to talk hear, to hear you uh-huh. just a little bit. Yeah. But... Uh, the KO2s have been absolutely incredible. We've put, I think, five sets in total um, on the Forerunner. Maybe it's just four. And tomorrow, they're coming off, and we're going with a new tire. So stay tuned for that surprise. Dun, dun, dun. They're not BFGs, by the way. Mm. Patron Don K, have you ever weighed your Forerunner with it loaded up for a trip and your family inside? Or... Are you afraid to? <laughs> no, we sure did. We did. We did before that before we, we left for, for Alaska because, um, you know, we wanted to check our GVWR and things like that. And uh, so I think at the time, com- everything combined, fully wet with 48 gallons of water. I think at the t- I think we had 25 extra gallons of fuel on top of what was in the Forerunner and yeah, all parties we- on board. We came in at 10,087 pounds combined with the trailer. Um we're significantly lighter than that now. We've really revisited our our gear. There were a lot of things that we didn't use that have now come out of the out of the Forerunner. So um, I haven't weighed it recently, but I would say that we're probably in the sixty one, sixty two hundred yeah, pound range right now. Maybe a little bit less. All right, we got a bunch of questions from Patron Yoshi Sonoda, and again, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing these right. Um, so question number one. Having just started learning DaVinci Resolve 16, I believe you said you switched to it from Adobe Premiere. Do you use the basic version or studio? I am using DaVinci Resolve Studio to edit our videos now. And it was a huge improvement over uh, Adobe Premiere. But recently, the latest updates that's come out, for whatever reason, my computer is not happy with. The good news is, when it does crash, I don't lose any work or with Adobe, I was losing a ton of work, and it was very, very frustrating. So it's an improvement. Um, it seems to me that it's the highly compressed files that it's having problems with. So if you're shooting an MP4, things like that, with my configuration, it struggles. Um, I shot, I did some stuff that was in RAW. So the recent videos from uh, back in 2018 that I that we did the lost episodes on. It edited really well with those. So I'm looking at maybe changing the file format that I'm recording in to maybe help the program. Um, but, yeah, it is, it's very frustrating. I'm, I'm biting my tongue right now because <laughs> I've been, you know, it's like being a truck driver and having a truck that breaks down every 15, 20 minutes. You know, that would get very frustrating. And I'm a video editor, and this thing is crashing on me constantly, and so it's very frustrating. Um, so yeah, I'm still working towards a better resolution on that at this point. Some of these questions we've already answered. I'm going to jump into, uh, this one right here. This is a great one from Yoshi. Uh, this might be a silly question. When on the road do you carry serum shot for snake poison? I'm originally from Japan. I've had a bad experience with poison snake when I was a kid. What kind of first aid kit do you have in silver? We did a lot of research on snakes, uh, especially being here in the Southwest where, you know, Western Diamondbacks are prevalent along with Mojaves and, and things like that, prairie rattlers. And long story short, 
after all the videos and the research that I did, we just determined that the best thing that you can do for a poisonous snake bite here in the States, and people are welcome to argue this if, if you like down in the comments, <laughs> is stay calm and get to help as quickly as possible. Um, there are kits out there that try and suck the poison out. You know, there's even people who say, you know, cut the X's on it, like in the cowboy movies, and suck the poison out, which puts it in the mouth of the guy trying to save someone, which can also infect them uh, quite seriously. So um, the main thing is just to stay calm, keep the heart rate down, get that person to help as quickly and safely as possible. And that's that's the route that we've mm -hmm. chosen to take. Um, the death rate for rattlesnake bites isn't crazy high so uh you know just be situationally aware and um stay calm if you do get bit how do you communicate with other drivers when you go on a trail with multiple other vehicles i prefer to use the ham radio mm -hmm. because especially if you're in a flat area uh talking point to point on simplex i i think we've talked 40 plus miles before which is really handy like if you're down in death valley talking from one end of saline to the other is really nice um but we do have a cb so there's occasionally people that we run into that we travel with that's just what they have and so we're able to click on the cb no big deal mm -hmm. and here i was bragging on the dj dji osmos and now they're all freaking out on us today all right question from tim lunn over in the uk Trying to remember if I asked this question before, what do you think the future of vehicle-dependent overlanding looks like in five to ten years? Will hybrid and electric vehicles make it more difficult or maybe easier? Is the added complexity a risk for remote area travel? I'm trying to ignore the COVID-19 issue, but I'm guessing that is likely to have a huge impact for years to come. We've had several people ask us about the concept of using electrical, electric-driven vehicles for overland travel and I still say that we're we're quite a ways away. Five to ten years, you might begin to see um, some options. Some options. Really, what has to happen is better battery technology, along with solar cell technology. And once those come uh, leaps and bounds from where they are, you might be able to travel 500 miles, pop your solar panels out, get up the next morning, and do it again. Uh, there's been a lot of advancements. On the scientific side of the development, for both batteries and solar panels, but it's how to get that to production and how to make it in a way that's affordable for other people. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's coming. It's eventually coming, but it's just not there yet. I would love to have... Could you imagine having <laughs> the torque of four electrical motors on each wheel with the... A track technology or similar anti slip technology that comes with some of these vehicles that would just be you'd be unstoppable to be honest with you. So that would be really fun. I'd like to try it. Question from Darren Pemberton Ever see a Bigfoot out there? <laughs> no. Well, we didn't see him, but uh, we did have that one instance up in Canada where I had a hot breath blow in the, the tin on me. And we're speculating it was a grizzly bear just We are not speculating around. anything. <laughs> I don't know why you keep on insisting that's a we situation. That is a purely you man. When I say we, I mean lifestyle overland, which is we. No, that's yeah. you. 
So yeah, still the debate is still on what that was that blew a blast of hot air across my arm as you were falling asleep. I wasn't asleep though. Anyhow, <laughs> but he also asked, "What's one question you wish you would have asked yourself prior to taking on this whole thing, the whole adventure, and all that?" Are you crazy? We asked that question though, didn't we? Yeah, I don't know because I feel like. Things are always subject to change and evolve. So it's not like I could say, ask, you know, past Sarah, like, are you sure you're as committed as Kevin wants you to be? No, <laughs> you know, because like, you know, I'm going to have times where I will have more time and be more committed and be more available. And then there's going to be other times where I'm not. Yeah. And that's fine either way. So I don't know. I don't think I have a question that. I think we, we're definitely overthinkers anyhow. And so we asked we, ourselves. We definitely overanalyze. There, there probably wasn't any questions that we didn't cover, to be honest yeah. with you. So. That's a good question, though. It is. Yeah, I've been thinking about that for a while. And I don't know that I have another question on top of that. Maybe, maybe the one question that I should have asked was, um, what will we do in the long term if this is successful? Because I don't think I felt at the time that there was a high level of confidence that it was going to turn into what it what it is now. Yeah, I think we were pretty pretty sure that, you know, if worse comes to worse, this is an awesome trip up north. Yeah. And at best, it'll somehow be a job. So I guess the one question you can ask yourself if you're in the same position is, what are you going to do if it takes off? Yeah. And that's what one thing that we didn't do. Do you want to sustain that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, patron James Gunther. I'm getting a rooftop tent very soon. I was wondering what tips and tricks you have to make the tent last as long to last a long time. Um, pretty simple, you know, just don't put it away wet. Yeah. That's really the main or if thing. You do is, try to get it open as quickly as possible. Yeah, You can pack down a tent completely soaking wet. So long as you open it back up within a few hours, you know, if, if you're driving along and all of a sudden the sun comes out and stop you got, for lunch, <laughs> stop for lunch, pop that puppy open and, and dry it out. Or if, you know, if you, if you do get home, you know, maybe it rains for five days after that, as long as it stays cool and the sun doesn't hit it, you're probably okay. We've done that before. Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely get that thing opened up as soon as possible. And even if even if it is pouring down the rain, I would say after a couple of days, open it up and just, just let it rain on it. Just let it rain on it and, and refresh what what's probably starting to grow there. Um, or wash off, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, wash it off. So what about like um, not Scotch Bright, but should you put anything, any kind of extra spray on it after it ages a little bit? Yeah. Or? So UV rays will start to break down that water repellent that's been sprayed on there. So. Uh, I think it was about a year from the time that we started using the last Sydney that we had. I took the rain fly off and really gave it a nice coat of um, tent waterproofing and then also on the fabric for the tent as well, top to bottom, inside, not inside, just top to bottom. Yeah. And, oh, it made a big difference because what was happening, even though it was still waterproof, you would see a bit of absorption on the outer layer of the fabric and that would make it, take much longer to dry out yeah I so that. uh if you start seeing that if you see some absorption into either the rain fly or the sidewalls it's probably time to uh, clean it real good and you know, wash it off dry it out and then put a coating of uh of the uh waterproofing on it mm -hmm. 
And, and that's really the main thing. Um, even if it's in storage, if it's in storage outside, let's say you haven't opened it up in two or three weeks or two or three months. Let's be generous. Two or three months. If you're in a, if you're in a high humidity area, it might not be a bad idea to, to open it up every, ever so often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Obviously don't open it up in 80 plus mile an hour winds with the rain fly on, or it might rip it off. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I've got. I think so. Patron Andrew Neely. Kevin, did you ever find out more info on your potential pioneer relative or ancestor that you read about in the museum located along the uh, Dempster Highway? So that was uh, Jack McHouston, and we did find there was a there was a book that was written about him um, by another McHouston. And so... Uh, we've been doing a bit of research on his history, along with the family history and, and its association up in that area. And it's quite an incredible story. And I will be honest with you, uh, I'm surprised that no one's made a movie about this guy because he truly was the father of the Yukon. Uh, he was the one that set up all of the trading posts and stuff that m- helped make it into what it is today. He was there before the gold rush ever even started. And so... Um, one of my dreams is to retrace his steps and tell tell his story through cinematography. Um, my brothers and I have been infatuated with his stories for a while now, and they're all creative types as well. And so one day, who knows, at some point we would love to retrace his steps and go, go back up to the Yukon and, and tell his story in a way that, that does it justice. So, yeah. That'd be cool. It's very cool. All right. Passing off the questions to Sarah now. Okay, Patty Leeton, is that how you say your last name? Leeton? Is asking. You're asking the wrong person. Okay. Mr. and Mrs. Lifestyle, thanks for the opportunity to pose several questions. Let's assume you continue this lifestyle through Caroline's teens. Have you thought about any changes to your sleeping arrangements? I mean, I would probably put the annex on the bottom and let her have a little cot down there if she wanted to, but I guess we could put a tent on the, on the vehicle. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking, is eventually just give her her own little tent that she can pop up. Yeah. That might be cute. She probably would like that. Yeah. I guess I'm still thinking of her. You're thinking like next year. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I don't want her to be a teenager yet. Yeah. If we're still traveling, you know, five, six, seven years from now. Yeah. We'll definitely keep that conversation open and let her, you know, whatever she's comfortable with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going forward with that. Yeah. So teenagers, definitely. Yeah. She'll have her own tent. She'll have her space. Probably her own rig, honestly. She'll be driving. She'll be right driving here. that by she's by the time she's sixteen, oh, yeah. for sure. Fourteen. Well, she. <laughs> you have to be legal. If you were to leave the turtle behind for a trip, how would you kit out the rig you take with you? I assume that you'd move the RTT, but how about the kitchen, water, battery system, etc.? Um, we've we've talked about this, and we kind of headed down the preparations for that with silver back when uh, there was a time where we were looking at selling the turtle back because of the RV issues. Mm -hmm. And um, so we kind of had a plan in mind at that point. The big thing is it it would be a, it would be a quick and easy transition because we already have some of the camping gear that we need to, to get us there. Mm -hmm. Water would be the biggest thing, the biggest challenge and And the biggest weight. We were in the process of coming up with a plan to put a water tank where now Uh our long range tank is, is located. And so, that would probably be one of the first things that I would look into is being able to carry a minimum of 
I don't know, eight or nine gallons. I would prefer, I'm spoiled by the Turtleback having right. 42. 42. Um, but I would love to have plenty of water on board so that, you know, we can go into the desert areas that we like and be confident in, in our ability to, to sustain ourselves there. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it because like I said, it would just be a matter of transitioning a lot of things out of the turtleback over to the forerunner. Uh, propane would be another thing. Um, in the past we've carried a 20 pound on its side up top, but there's actually some more purpose built tanks that uh, I was looking at adding on to the bumper, making a a mount for the bumper that was, Mm -hmm. it's about eight inches in diameter, but you know, 26 inches tall. And I think that was about a 11 pound tank. And so there's little tweaks like that to try and um, bring our size down. Things like our chairs, these are big, heavy, comfortable chairs, but we probably go to something ultralight. Um, I forget the, the the name of the company eludes me right now, but there's some chairs. They're about a, they're expensive, but you know they're I think they're they like pack down so small. titanium rods, and they all snap together and super super compact yeah. when when not in use. So when you go to a single rig, it becomes weight and space. So we would probably take some of the things that are bulkier items and try and reduce their weight and and overall size. Yeah, one of my hopes and intentions for the GX is that I really want it to be a quick little weekend vehicle. Um, so, you know, I'll have a fridge, a smaller fridge in the back of mine, in the, in the back of the GX, mm-hmm. um, but then also be able to have to where the storage system or a fold-down table would be compatible to be able to cook out of the back of it as well. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of always been one of my desires is to to have a vehicle that we don't have to take the turtle bike trailer if we don't want to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I've been pricing out several mods to my rig, which is a 2004 GX 470, but I can't make up my mind on where to start. The challenge for me is the cost to do everything I would like to do. What do you think is an absolute must mod or mods for a stock four wheel drive rig? Well, I'll say the same thing. I tell everyone that's getting into this. Don't overthink all the gear that's out there. It can definitely be overwhelming. The main thing that you need to do for the rig specifically, quality tires and sliders. If you already have factory skid plates, then you might forego those for a while. Especially, Just like we have. <laughs> especially if you're doing more mild off-roading. Um, so that that makes it very affordable to get into with you already have a solid rig, very capable rig. Those are the things that I would focus on. And then from there, I would make sure that you've got um, a winch would be a, a, mm-hmm. a big help. Uh, traction mats before that even, just because you can get out of a lot of situations with having, you know, a max tracks or something like that on board. Um, so very staged approach. You will quickly identify what weak you points mm-hmm. yeah, in your build with with time and experience. So... Uh, the main thing is to get out there and start trying and traveling and, and figuring out what that next piece is going to be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, before you spend any money on that kind of stuff, first aid kits, emergency communications, you know, the, the, the Garmin inReach has been a staple in our kit. Just to be able to check in with family and have that SOS button available if, you know, crap does hit the fan and you need to call the Calvary to come save you, you have that opportunity. Safety first, 
and then start with the basics on your rig. Have you considered a consulting practice for helping people build out their rigs? Perhaps not performing the actual work, but specking out the gear. There are so many options. That's a really great question. Um, I feel like that'd be a fun job. Like you're basically somebody's personal shopper. Well, and I, I've, I've done quite a bit of that. Um, maybe not from, you know, start to finish, but quite a few people have reached out on getting ideas, especially when it comes to electrical systems, just cause that is kind of my background. Um, that would be really fun. That might be another future or, or future income stream that we might have to consider. Mm-hmm. So if, you or someone you know <laughs> would be interested in someone helping them develop their overall build, let us know in the comments. Okay. This question's for me. Sarah, have you thought about competing in any overland driving competitions like the Rebel Rally? Uh, I have considered it and I've toyed with it, but I have not committed to it yet. I'll just put, I mean, Sure, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We've had we had some pretty serious conversations yeah. about the Rebel Rally. We've had actually some people offer to sp- Off- sponsor yeah. her in in the race. Um right now specifically is just family timing with you trying to finish up your degree and stuff like that. We weren't sure how this was all going to shake out and then COVID just Yeah. Um, drop that in the bucket. So, so maybe next year. I don't know. Maybe eventually. I'm ne- I'm not opposed to it. It, it. There's a lot I need to learn to do the Rebel Rally because that's all paper and compass work, no digital. Yeah. So, yeah, I would need to learn. It's like a becoming a Amish Overlander. <laughs> yeah, I like my technology. <laughs> okay. I love the Overland style online store. Any thoughts to expanding to other branded gear, such as partnering with a knife company for a lifestyle Overland branded knife or any other gear beyond clothes and patches? Great question. We're always thinking. Kevin is always thinking. And we've got some pretty exciting things planned for OverlandStyle.com. So Uh uh, thank you for the opportunity to plug that one more time. (laughs) (laughs) That's um, www.overlandstyle.com. So, so the soft goods is definitely step one. You know, we, we have had a Lifestyle Overland knife that we did a collaboration with um, 3DK Knives up in uh, Alaska with, and that's coming back. We're in the process of figuring out the next phase uh, and getting some of those cool hard goods and custom goods coming in the door. But I've got a list as long as my arm. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But I only have so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. And so we're just kind of working on the priorities right now. And the main priority, the main goal of that platform is to get all these creators a way to get merch to their viewers and also give them another stream of income to, to help them do what they do. So that's phase one. You, you you just stay tuned. There's some pretty cool stuff that we got planned for phase two, three, four, five, <laughs> and so on. Yeah. Okay, Michael Suarez. I'm trying to plan a trip to New Mexico and would appreciate some input. We have a fifth wheel and want to do overlanding in one to two night intervals, returning to camper as needed. What would be a good central location in New Mexico to explore from? By the way, he's coming from Florida. Um, especially with the temperatures getting warmer and warmer, I would definitely look in the uh, 
northern New Mexico mm-hmm. area. Eagle Nest, New Mexico, Angel Fire, New Mexico, Taos. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all really, really great places to start. Still remote enough uh, that you're not in the crowds, but not so remote that you can't get supplies. And I think there's quite a few RV places up there. But with more and more people heading outside, with you know typical vacations being canceled and events being canceled, people are rushing to the RV dealerships right now and they're loading up to go camping and, and do their own fun social distancing. So start yeah. planning sooner than later, and you may need to look into uh, reservations pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Hudson is asking questions for Q&A. After this is over, do you have any plans for a long-term trip like the Alaska trip? Well, we've, we've already kind of got one in the works right now. Um, just being realistic, I don't think the international travels are going to work out at this point for 2020 for yeah. 2020 uh so our dream at this point is to kind of go back up into canada take our time obviously let 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 the warm weather push us north again and then spend some significant time in the bc area but um, i think it would be really cool to traverse canada from west to east as far north as we can stay and uh, work our way over to the eastern seaboard. That's that's always been in the back of my mind, just because you know we saw, got to saw we got to see just a taste of Canada with that first pass through, and it was like, oh man, let's get back up there. So mm-hmm, definitely, yeah. uh, Pierre Cote it says, do you plan to come in eastern Canada? There you go. There you go. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, what do you have? Mm, comms from Don McClure. He's asking about comms. What do you have versus what do you use and how is the WeBoost? Uh, so for communications, we primarily use, and I already covered this, the, the ham radio when absolutely possible. I recommend everyone get your ham radio license, get a decent mobile unit in your rig with an external antenna. We can all talk. It's good times. It makes it really simple on the trail. Um, the other piece of that, again, satellite texting is big for emergency communications, letting people know you're okay. Uh, the WeBoost antenna, long story. And so right now I would say that, yeah, it's it's absolutely an incredible device, especially in flatter land where you have weak signal. The thing is, is it can't create signal. So especially if you live in a mountainous region uh, where you're either on or off when it comes to signal, um, might not benefit you as much. And it's, it's an expensive device, so weigh those things out. It wouldn't be the first thing that I buy. If you're someone who wants to travel and work or travel and post to social media or things like that, it's it's a an added nice thing to have, but don't rely on it as your primary form of communication. Okay. Craig W. is asking, has another question. He's asking, I would love to know more about what worked and didn't work on your trip north, specifically mosquitoes and bears. Was that a gazelle screen tent you used? Did it hold up? He said they're planning on heading up there hopefully this summer. The gazelle tent was like when... (laughs) That thing was amazing. It set up in under 60 seconds. It folded down in about two and a half minutes. Um, There were times where even with spray and head net and all these things the bugs just kept coming because sometimes it's not mosquitoes yeah sometimes it's a bug that whatever whatever it was 
repellent Hatched. you're uh-huh. trying to use isn't isn't working and so just being able to go to a safe space was was huge yeah. so highly recommend that that and what also worked too because you know you pop it up well you've trapped some bugs in there so what did we use to chase them out yeah so we we use that in conjunction with the thermocells the the, the type that screw on to the uh the small propane tanks mm-hmm. um, those worked really well they were a bit frustrating at higher ev- elevations just because you know there's jetting and stuff that goes into that but for the most part those were lifesavers yeah they were lifesavers they just take about 20 minutes to really set up a perimeter. Yeah, so usually what we did is we would set them out and light them and set up a perimeter. And then, like, while we were finishing setting up everything else, by that time, usually the gazelle tent, if we had it propped open, was empty. We would zip it up and yep. then start cooking and yep. go from there. It's a great, great tent to have. It really was very nice, yeah. Um, but definitely, like, make sure you have the face nets, at least for sure. And, yeah. like, high deet, as bad as that sounds. <laughs> You know, there's 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 a lot of people who who you know come down hard on the DEET and products that have the DEET in it. We have um, a very close friend who is a dermatologist, and she approves of the DEET. Yep, she does. So, and she's not sponsored, <laughs> but we love her. <laughs> uh, Jenny Piper is asking. I know you guys got. A different trash can for the back after the trasheroo. How is it holding up? So I believe that one is the Explorer Expedition Outfitters. And it's been a great bag. We're we're on the second one right now. I would say it is a step above the trasheroo for sure. Um, but it's not perfect. You know, it's still a it's still a canvas device being subjected to dust, dirt, and UV rays. So it's gonna degrade over time, especially mm-hmm. if you're using it often. So um, any of those that you choose, if you're not going to be using them, bring them inside. You know, wash them out, dry them out, put them back inside. Um, I've not found the perfect trash bag yet. Uh, the problem is, is that as you move into the higher-end fabrics, they get exponentially more expensive, as you can, as I'm sure you've seen with some of the brands that are out there now. Um you just have to decide what's it worth to you. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to start with a $40 trash roux and just acknowledge the fact that after eight to 10 months of, you know, use, it's going to start coming apart. Um, we've actually found trash roux on the trail. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of counterintuitive at that point. I'm not impressed with the product. There's, there's a lot of other people that have strong opinions about the trash roux. And uh, we've got uh, another trash bag that we're getting ready to test right now. And We'll, we'll give you some more feedback on some more options going forward. But for right now, we're very pleased with the one that we've been using. Okay, so Eric Max says he has a stupid newbie question. But <laughs> no, I was raised no that there is no such thing as a stupid question. There's not. Okay. He says, I see some trails out west that are very narrow, narrow with no chance of two vehicles passing each other. No close pull-offs, mountainside uphill, and death plunge valley downhill. What happens when a rig comes the other direction and you're pulling a trailer? Or what if they have a trailer too? I've seen videos of trailers where I wouldn't want to back up a trailer for a half mile. What do you do? That's that's a really good question. And so typically uphill traffic has the right of way um, on, on these trails out here. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes the uphill traffic may have a closer pull-off 
sometimes uphill traffic isn't towing a trailer and it's much more difficult to back a trailer uphill um, than it is to back a single vehicle uphill. So really it's just a matter of the situation. And uh, I would say in the, in the worst case scenario where you have two trailers coming at each other, maybe the other driver gets out and assists mm-hmm. the, the other person out of the situation. Uh, so the so the trailer that is traveling uphill would then be backed downhill until a place could be found to, to get around each other. Um, and this goes back, and I think I responded on Patreon to this just to encourage him that if you're not comfortable towing a trailer and you don't have a lot of experience towing a trailer, get out in a parking lot somewhere and start backing that thing up. Pick a spot that you want to put that thing in and just start practicing getting those um the quick response to just to to work on your your instinct as to which way you need to turn turn the wheel because the more comfortable you are in a controlled environment the more successful you're going to be in a situation where you're white knuckled on the side of a shelf road so that's definitely a, a big part of it is practice 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 with those trailers especially if you didn't grow up towing them on the farm like i did you know it's kind of second nature for for sarah and i to some degree no not me i never drove the horse trailers well i stand corrected then yeah so i didn't really start impressed with you now i didn't really start backing up trailers until you started making me back up the turtle bike wow so my my so what i always tell other women who are like i'll drive (laughs) our our vehicle with the trailer but i don't back it up i'm like back it up you can do it so Slow and steady is the key. Yeah. Once you start trying to do it quickly, no, it n- never turns out well for me. Yeah. So my my advice is always slow and steady. Yeah. And like Kevin said, just practice it. That's it. For sure. That's it. Dave Border. He says, I would like to hear more about your sleeping pad. Love my 23-0 Byron. And Justin is way cool. But. As a six foot two, two hundred twenty five side sleeping man, it's very hard on the shoulders and hips. What does a family of three do? Six foot three, two hundred and eight as of this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, also a side sleeper. You know, it's always a trade off. And, you know, it's interesting because the people who bought tents a year, two years ago before uh, 230 introduced their high density foam would complain about sinking too quickly. Actually, it's been longer than that. It's been three or four years. Um, the first tent we started with was a CBT Pioneer series. It was a two inch mattress. It was a very standard foam mattress, mm-hmm. but you were sleeping on the deck. Yeah. And it was especially hard if it was super cold outside and that cold was radiating up through the floor. Um, and so that's why we went to the 230 was it had the thicker three inch high density foam mattress since then. Uh, and this might be partially our fault after we spent over 200 nights in our tent, eventually as foam does began to break down. And so Justin's like, well, all right, then we'll make it even better. And so we made it even, even more dense, which I love, Yeah. but a lot of people don't like a firm mattress. And so <laughs> it's always a trade-off. There's no perfect balance between all of those things. And so we recommend for people who like a plusher sleeping platform 
maybe you go and get a, a one or a two inch um, pillow top, pillow or... top, something that compresses easily because you don't want to reduce the ability to store blankets, blankets and pillows and up, up there. there too much. Um, so yeah, you just kind of gotta. You just gotta. It's it's really what's the word I'm looking for? Trial and error. It's really trial and error, and and you can go and we we did this recently. If you go on Amazon trying to find a mattress none of them have five stars unless you know they've got four reviews on them <laughs> there's no perfect mattress you can't make one mattress that fits everyone's Everybody. sleeping style mm-hmm. and so you might have to customize your sleeping experience a little bit yep. it's just the way it is just the way it is can't have it all john bishop okay he has a logistics questions he says i uh, not having a whole lot of experience with cooking while camping, how do you wash the dishes, etc., without using a crap ton of water? Not all of us have the luxury of 40-some gallons of water. That's true. Uh, so even with the 42 gallons of water, I was always very conscious about, like, I would fill it maybe two or three inches of water in my sink and wash with that. Also, another key factor was... Um, I put a collapsible bin underneath the drain pipe and would catch the old water. So if we were staying somewhere for a couple days, I would actually pre-soak the dishes in that water mm-hmm. and kind of reduce, reuse, recycle. And so I would, you know, if I made something macaroni and cheese and something was going to be sticky while I was washing all the other dishes, I would soak that in the other water from the dishes that I had done before. So... Um, well, even before that, back when we were we were using what was called a water brick, we had four water bricks. They were three and a half gallon. They looked like concrete blocks almost, but they kind of interlocked with each other. That's what we would camp with. Mm-hmm. And we had the collapsible bins. And so like what she's saying, you'd fill up one of them halfway with hot soapy water. And then you would just wash each one of your, your dishes and set them aside, pour fresh water in another bin, and then dip and the dishes in, rinse. you know, so you just have to get creative at that point. And uh, when you're done, now you've got a soapy bin and you've got a clean water bin. Combine the two, set it down somewhere so that when you do, when you have another meal, immediately put your cookware into that water. Now that becomes your soaking bin. Yeah. And so you can kind of start the process again and it reduces how much water that you actually have to use. Yeah. A question from Chase Cruz. With your first aid kit, when you open it, what items do you have that you do not know how to use? Yeah, this is this is a really good question. Kind of a convicting question, too, because um, for many years I was required to have CPR and first aid training uh, for my occupation. And so it was kind of ingrained in me, and I've always enjoyed first aid. Uh, so there's a lot of things in there I definitely know how to use, but I will say, you know, techniques change um, over time. And so, and people get rusty. Like, I definitely wouldn't be as efficient at it now as I was five years ago. So it's probably something that I need to get back into. And um, our first aid kits are definitely do a refresh. Yeah. I think our primary one is, is probably five years old at this point. And um, so it's a great question. It's a great reminder. It's something I need to dig back into. What items do you wish you would have had on the trail that you didn't? More Tums? <laughs> yeah. Heartburn can ruin a, a trip along with diarrhea and allergies. So I would say 
um, this is more advice than it is me complaining about something I didn't have, but don't just bring a first aid kit. Bring you know, some over-the-counter medicines for you know your generic aches and pains and ailments. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I don't think I ever found myself missing something. No. While we were on the trail, um, full time. I don't think so either. Um, I, I, I've a product that we've added to the kit now that I'm in love with, absolutely in love with, is our USB powered fans. Oh yeah. Because especially this time of year in New Mexico, it's really warm, and then it like shuts off. So you know you have these big temperature swings, and sometimes you want to have a bit of fan up there in the tent until you get down to those uh, cooler, cooler temps. Mm-hmm. And these things are fairly inexpensive on Amazon. And you can run them off your battery, but now we have some of these battery packs, like this one right here that I'm running our sound system on right now. Um, that'll run one of those fans up in your tent for quite a while. So, yeah, it's a cool little product. Okay. Uh, Yanov Eliash. Apparently, I'm pretty bad at pronouncing names, too. While traveling long expeditions like the one to the Arctic Circle, do you keep on homeschooling for Caroline? In general, what would be the extra toil when traveling with young kids? Uh, Yes, I did homeschool Caroline uh, while we were traveling full time. She was in kindergarten, so that was easy enough. And uh, I just did uh, just a curriculum that uh, it was a faith-based curriculum faith-based curriculum that I had chosen. Um, but it was, it was, it was easy enough that, um, you know, what we were able to do a couple pages, but also, you know, you don't realize sometimes how much you're really teaching your kid by just day-to-day life. You know, like we'd be driving down the road and Kevin go, Caroline, what's one plus one, two, what's two plus two, four, you know, and we would quiz her on her ABCs and, um, you know, we'd be like, hey, can you read that sign or can you find the and in that sentence, you know, to help practice sight words? Um, so it's it's realizing that you're already teaching your kids a lot by daily life, but it's also recognizing when it's a good learning opportunity as well. So it, it takes a little practice if your mindset isn't naturally there or you don't or you don't have confidence in that Mm. um but and it's not always easy no (laughs) yeah um as many people are learning learning now now, as as the world is jumped right into home homeschooling at this point exactly so uh yeah if we if when when and if we do another big trip and it's during the school year you better believe we'll be taking something along with us. Yep, that was our plan for for the for international travel. Was we just want to switch back to to homeschooling. homeschooling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Okay. So now we're moving on to Instagram questions. So I don't have to do the handles. Yeah, dude, they probably want the mentions. I figured as much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Mag R and R, how are you able to travel almost full time? Do you own your own businesses? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, number one, and, and we actually just did a podcast on this, uh, what was it last week where we talked about our lifestyle change to more of a minimalist, um, we like to call it intentionalist footprint has reduced our expenses to the point that we don't need that much income to move forward into travel like we did. 
Um, in the meantime, we developed a lot of tiny income streams mm-hmm. through a lot of different processes. And that's that's really how we've kept this whole thing going. But by far, the biggest thing has been the patron support that has come in um, because YouTube is very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Amazon affiliate links, like if you if we send if we share something that's on Amazon, generally we would get a commission on that. That's been cut in half now on a lot of categories. Um, so the key is having a lot of different multiple income streams, and uh, a piece of that, a big piece of that, is our social media management business that we run, where um, we're involved with several outdoor and overland community uh, companies, uh, just managing their social media and handling handling that for them as well. Um, that's been a big piece of it. And then obviously the merchandise, uh, once we got that store up and running several years ago, has been a big piece of how we make all this happen. Mm-hmm. And then the final set would be affiliate programs. So if you use one of our Gaia GPS discounts, we get a small commission from that. If you buy tools from tecton.com using the links that we share, we get a small commission off of that. And it's not necessarily big money. It might be... 40 bucks this month or 80 bucks this month it's a tank of gas it's right. a grocery stop it's it's having all those little different pieces and the more you can make those income streams passive so it's just a discount code that floats out there um things like that are really important to to a creator so if there's a product that we love and we are willing to represent we usually go to these companies and we say would you be willing to give our viewers a discount code and then give us a small piece of that? And then it's win, win, win for everyone. And uh, that's been really successful. It's another piece of what we do. Yeah. Okay. So this is from Z-E-K-E. How do you like the fuel nitros? I wanted to get a set for my Tacoma, but thought they'd be a pain to clean because of all the little holes around the outside. That's a good question. Well, you don't wash your car, so. Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely thought about that when when we got those, but I, I'll be honest with you guys. We don't wash these vehicles very often. No. And I know a lot of people cringe at that. I was the guy growing up that I was waxing uh-huh. every weekend. Every scratch was buffed out. When you start doing this, it, it changes your focus mechanically, maintenance-wise. Is everything ready to go that's that's the main focus and honestly now if we have serious mud that we think is going to eat into the paint or something sure, yes sure. we will wash that off sure when i say wash i mean like a real wash and detail job kind of thing okay uh yeah you don't want to let a lot of the these different types of dirt sit on your vehicle, vehicle for, for very too long. long so yeah so yeah but no we don't we're not too concerned about that they look cool they do look cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jason KN88, how many miles do you try to go a day on a trip? Is there a method you use to calculate the amount of days a certain trip will take? Uh, so in traveling up north, uh, at first, because we felt like we were behind, we were running and gunning yeah. it. Uh, so there was not necessarily, well, we did try to, I guess, meet a quota. But once we finally got there and saw what we wanted to all right, birds. These birds are going. We decided that we were exhausted by too many hours or too many miles, yeah. and so we ended up switching it to about six hours mm-hmm. or how many miles? Uh, two hundred and fifty. Yeah, we I would either do fifty something six like that. hours or two hundred and fifty miles. Something like that. Yeah. 
we did honestly like we weren't too concerned about how how far we traveled we we didn't plan we need to be to this place by this date and that was a luxury for us being full time we had we if we didn't want to travel we didn't have to travel um much different situation for people who are taking vacation time and they want to know uh and a popular question is how long does it take to travel in Channel Rockies trail well you know we took 10 days but we've talked to friends who've done it all of it in five days. And that's, right. you know, it's booking it. That's getting up early. It's traveling. It's, you know, stopping at, at, at dark. Um, so plan a trip that allows you to travel the speed that you can enjoy it. You know, if, if, especially if you're bringing your family along and <laughs> just beating and banging down a trail for yeah. 10 hours a day, we've done that. Uh-huh. Um, it wears you down after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely, you definitely have to find, find a balance there. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, Scenic Missions. I have the rig, a Prado, and I've done professional video work, love off-road adventure, and live in a very interesting place, Kenya. I just can't convince myself to film trips in that way yet because it seems like it must really slow you down. All that running ahead to set up a camera, running back, driving through the shot, and then back to pick up the camera. My question do you have any advice or tips on how to film a trip without slowing down the trip too much or ruining the fun of the drive? Get a really great wife <laughs> or girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or somebody that wants to go with you. Yeah. I would say right out of the gate, if you don't enjoy filming and you don't enjoy editing, if that's not something that you're interested in, it's, it, it, it will cut into your trip. I, I, I love it. Like I love it was an adjustment for me. Yeah, I love getting the shot. I love I just you know, it's it's almost like I'm just hunting. It's almost like hunting. I'm looking for that perfect shot that's just gonna tell the story without words. Like I enjoy that whole process. But it does slow down the trip and you know, if you're used to traveling with friends and stuff, it can be annoying to the other parties because it's stop and go and stop and go. So uh and Unless you're really concerned about saving those memories for the future, I I would probably recommend you just enjoy the ride. Yep. Um, but if if that's something that you want to get into, uh, it takes a lot of commitment. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it because 30 years from now, you can sit down and watch those videos. It's true. All right. Kyle Tillman photo is asking, what age was your daughter when you guys started overlanding? Tips and tricks for parents overlanding with young kids. When we first started overlanding with Caroline, she was 15 months old. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, we just did a little bit at a time and we stopped a lot and we let her out to run around and play. Um, and then as she got a little bit older, then we could do the iPad for a little bit and mm-hmm. get a little bit of longer time in the vehicle without as many stops and breaks. Um, and now uh, one thing that I did that I tell a lot of parents to do with you know, I probably could have even done it when she was 15 months old is have an activity bag that yeah. sits beside them or that you're in control of that you can, if they say I'm bored and you don't want them on digital devices the mm-hmm. whole time. All right, get something out of your activity bag and play with it, you know? And, and I also made the point to kind of put surprises in there. So while we were traveling full time, we'd stop at a Dollar Tree, Dollar World, whatever, or even the dollar section at Target. And I would pick out a new coloring book, a little crafty thing, um, a new little toy or pencil or crown set. And that really seemed to entertain her. So whatever your child is into, especially if it's 
luckily smaller figurines or something like that, you know, just, you know, having those little surprises or letting them pick specifically, hey, this is your activity bag for when we're on the trail. Choose wisely. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> and true. go from there. Yep. Yep. We get this one asked often. Yeah. And I think we're ready to answer this one. Mm. And confident. With confidence. Right. Okay. AJ4MPR asks, any plans for a second kiddo? Random and personal. You're right, it is. But I'm really curious what changes y'all would make to your setup if a second child is in the game. My second one is due anytime now. This pushed my plans out a bit since having a newborn and a one-year-old is a handful. First of mm. all, congratulations. Absolutely. Super excited that you're adding more to your family. As for us, that is a personal question, but I'm happy to answer it. No, we will not have any more children. We tried and it was not successful for us. So uh, we've just kind of come to the conclusion that we are thankful for what we have mm -hmm. and what we got. And we're going to continue moving on with life and living it to our absolute fullest. Absolutely. And not, not to criticize that question, but I just want to put this out there as, cause I see it come through a lot and I know how it, how it affects Sarah. Be cognizant of some, sometimes we come in with this overly positive idea that anyone can have kids whenever they want. And it can be a very painful subject for people that have gone through traumatic experiences in attempting to have kids. So um, I think that it's just a gentle reminder to people that when you go and pose those questions to anyone, just be sensitive that they may have already gone down that road. So, yeah, this is my two cents worth. Mm -hmm. Okay, here is oh, here. Let's lighten up the mood a little bit. There you go. How many pounds of bacon do you consume in a year? Most of your videos involve bacon. Well, you know what, Chris cracked. <laughs> Even though we're not camping, we're still consuming just as much bacon. So pigs, you better look out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I have no idea how many pounds we consume in a year. It's, it, it's a lot. We just film an exorbitant amount of bacon footage because it's so sexy. I mean... But generally, we're eating relatively healthy, I'd like to think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's pretty health conscious. I, I would am. eat bacon every day if I could. She won't let me. No. One, it's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Carrie Roberts asks a good question. Please explain the bathroom situation. Best advice for when you are out in areas without public bathrooms. Learn to pee behind a tree. Yeah. Carry, Learn to dig a hole for when a you got to poop. Yeah. Uh, I was not very good at it in the beginning, but now I'm really great at it. And I have found myself coaching other women how to go to the bathroom outside. Not in person, but no, <laughs> we're going to have a class at Expo West. <laughs> how to pee outside or go to the bathroom. I mean, it's not a bad question. I get asked oh, a I lot. Know. Like, I know. do you really yeah. enjoy going to the bathroom outside? I'm like, it's fine. No, I don't I enjoy do. it, but it's fine. I have what's called epic poos. It's when there's an oh. epic view oh, and I can okay. take my seat out and just take my time enjoying the vista. Yeah. Anyway, but to answer to for a two-parter on that one, Caroline does not like to go to the bathroom Number outside. Yeah. <laughs> she does not like to go to the bathroom outside. Uh, so we do have to carry a little toilet for her so that she at least has something to sit on. Yeah. 
Um, and what what is it called? Uh, that is the Clean Waste Toilet System. It's in our Amazon store. If, anytime you guys got a question about a product, generally if you go down to the video description, you'll find some links that get you out there. Yeah. Uh, where do you find the music that you use in your videos? Deanna wants to know. Musicbed.com, artlist.ai, and epidemicsound.com. Those are the three primaries. Uh, Musicbed obviously has been just absolutely incredible. I, I would say that having them as a resource is really what took our videos to the next level. Mm -hmm. Okay, Melissa Patrick Holden is asking me a question. Mm -hmm. She says... Uh, were you always 100% on board with the plan to overland? My hubby really enjoys it and wants to spend more time away. I'm trying to be supportive, but just can't seem to drum up the same level of enthusiasm. Uh, no, I wasn't. I pay her exorbitant amount of money <laughs> traded in makeup, chocolates, wine, wine, and spa days. No, I'm just kidding. No, she's weird. <laughs> uh, I am, but no, I'm not always 100% enthusiastic about it. Like for, like I said earlier, for my birthday and our anniversary this year, I've requested that we not go camping to celebrate. Uh, but to be honest, we were always looking for something to do as a family and something that Kevin did that was really smart is he worked really hard to make everything feel convenient yeah. for me in the very beginning yeah. because I was going camping with a 15 month old and that was daunting enough, you know? And so he worked really hard to make sure that the bathroom situation first and foremost was taken care of that shelter and comfort of sleeping was good. Yeah. And then from there, like I kind of got, I already enjoyed cooking. And so I just kind of took over that and got creative and yeah, he came up with ideas and stuff, but Dudes, if you really want your lady to go camping with you, you're going to have to work extra hard to make it feel easy and convenient for her. I think is probably really Absolutely. the best advice. Yeah. Because if he had been like, no, just go pee behind that tree, babe. Get over it. Um, I would not have gone on the next trip. Yeah. Short, achievable trips. Yes. Number one. So that if... The weather turns bad or someone gets sick, you can bail out and get back home within a couple of hours yes. so that you haven't created an experience that no one wants to go through again. Yeah. And then, you know, a few amenities, hot water, a really nice mattress of some sort, you know, all those little things add up, privacy room, toilet seat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's a great question. Lab Matt is asking, where do you see the channel in five years? You know, that's, uh, that's really a, a, a difficult question. Uh, personally, I hope that it's continuing on and we're just expanding our adventures. I'd like to see, you know, more international adventures mixed in with it. Um, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about, you know, expanding the storyline. We've got uh, some friends that we've traveled with in the past, and I think it would be interesting at some point to let them take the reins for a bit and, and go and tell their unique story. You know, there's people who have, you know, three or four kids. And, you know, that's a whole other dynamic that, that we would like to capture and tell on the channel, as well as solo adventurers, dual sport adventurers. That's always kind of been a dream of mine to, to expand and, and tell that story. Um, the difficulty is, obviously, 
you connect with us on the channel. And so doing what's called with these a, other families? what's called a pivot, you know, it, it could, it could be very difficult. So I don't know if that's in the cards or not, but, um, yeah, we would love to expand our storytelling to more than just our story at some point. So that if we wanted to take six months and, and not travel, well, you know, we've got other ideas, um, for an, even another YouTube channel that we won't get into, oh, gosh. <laughs> but we've got other ideas. And, and so, yeah, it would be cool to continue the Overland spirit on the channel, you know, years down the road and not feel like we have to be rushing every week to get a video put together. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what's been on the back of my mind for, for the long term to make this thing viable. Mm-hmm. Harmon 78 has a great question. Starbucks or Tim Hortons? <laughs> I prefer Sarah McCafe myself. <laughs> okay, if I'm having to pick between the two, here's how it goes. Tim Hortons, because I like their coffee is fine. It's good. And, but their donuts and pastries and stuff are delicious. Yeah. Now, for a latte, I really like Starbucks espresso. So I like their latte-ish espresso I, drinks. As for their coffee, I do not like Starbucks, just straight up coffee. I, that's what I was going to say. I would I would say that Tim Hortons coffee. And donuts are bomb. Like classic. Yeah, I'll take that. Especially drinks, Starbucks. But become a bit of a coffee snob anymore. And yeah, we're, we're experimenting with all kinds of things <laughs> here at home. So, yeah. David K is asking, how do you get women interested in... Is that a train? It sounds like it. How do you get women interested in overlanding or just extended camping? Where can you find these types of women? <laughs> we we got asked this one time in person. Like He was like, where'd you find her? Kev's like, out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't at the mall, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that is the truth. It was not in a bar. And honestly, it was literally, it was literally in, the, in woods the woods at a summer camp. We met at a summer camp. You're right. Yep. How to get women interested in overlanding? I mean, don't pick a sissy girl. If you <laughs> want to go camping, don't fall for a sissy girl. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you know, like I kind of had, I, I enjoy my sissy things. I love makeup and hair. Obviously, I'm in cosmetology for mm-hmm. a career. But I also enjoy being outside. And I like feeling like I accomplished something. And so, you know, when we travel and do a rough trail or, you know, get somewhere super cool, like that's, that is appealing to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel accomplished in that. So, um, Kevin just helped cultivate that, I think. Yeah. And, and I would, I would say the flip side of that is you, anyone should try this once or twice, yeah. you know, like. I think sometimes we get stuck in our heads. I can't do that. I can't work on my vehicle. There's no way I could travel to the heart of death Valley. Yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't just dive in obviously, but start small, start achievable and, you know, bring the wife and or the wife and girlfriend, if they're really understanding, (laughs) Um, (laughs) bring your wife or girlfriend and go, go on an achievable camping trip and, and just, you know, start small and, be okay with it. You know, if, if that's not their thing, don't push it. The, it'll only make it worse. Go yeah. and enjoy what you can when you can. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, here's a good quick one. Will Kearney wants to know, what are the folding tables that you use? Oh, yeah. This one is uh, Mountain Summit Gear. And we love it. Like, we yeah. have them in our house right now as our bedside tables. Oh, these flies are getting terrible, y'all. At least they're bothering you now, not me. I went me. up my nose. It was crawling on your mustache earlier. Oh, that grossed me out. Great. Not to cut that out of the video. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can, though. Yeah. Let's do one more and wrap it up. Okay, I'm trying to find one more. Bob Campbell, 34, thinking about getting off the ground and into an RTT. When they say four person, is it really big enough for four? And someone else had asked, too, that they're a family of five with, like, a 16-year-old, 11-year-old, a five-year-old, and then, like, two two parents. He's like, will that really fit a five-person tent? Uh, we always recommend that whatever size tent you think you need, go one size up if you can afford it and fit it. Yeah. The reason for that is there are times where you may just want to hang out in that tent during a rainstorm or a windstorm or bad weather. And having a little bit of extra space is very helpful, especially if you're going to bring clothing or board games mm -hmm. or something like that with you. So I, I highly recommend you go with the biggest tent you can afford and fit. Um, you'll never regret having the, the extra, extra space. space. You may regret the extra weight. And set up time. So weigh that in, in the whole process. Um, just keep in mind, like, if you have older kids, let's say you've got kids that are 10, 12 plus, get a tent that has an annex so you can make a room down at the bottom mm -hmm. and put a couple of cots down there. That that right there is, is, the, the, is ticket. the ticket. Mm -hmm. You might not have to get the biggest tent out there. If you get the, the annex room that goes down below. Well, and here's another nice thing about that, too. Even if you have little kids, that is a great contained mm. playing area. Yeah. Because you can put the floor flooring right. down and then they can just strew their toys in there. You know, if you're base camping and then you've got basically a playpen. Absolutely. So and that's and maybe, really nice, too. Maybe you even flip it around. Maybe the adults, if you do have small kids, let's say you have three small kids and you don't want to have five people in the tent. Maybe you put the three small kids mm -hmm. up top and you and, and the wife put, the put cots down in the bottom. You know, there's there's a lot of flexibility that comes with having the annex room. Yeah, yeah. I would totally agree. Yeah. Good question to end on, huh? Great question. Thank you guys so much for all the questions. I, I We tried to get to as many of them as we possibly could. Um you know, you guys send us messages and comments all the time, and we try to answer as much as possible. I hope that this video has helped cover some of those that we haven't been able to, to devote time to. It's just, as you probably have gathered by the end of this video, I'm extremely busy with trying to keep all of this going and all the pieces moving. So, um, really, I hope this video has, has answered a lot of your questions. If not, post them down below. I'll get to <laughs> as many of them as I possibly can. And, uh, yeah, for those listening at home or in your car on this podcast, I hope you've enjoyed um, this session. It's been really enjoyable. We're actually outside. We've got to see yeah, some sunshine. Nice. The birds have been singing. A few flies crawling up the nose. But, hey, you know what? That's life outside. That's so. exactly right. All right, guys. We hope you're doing amazing wherever you are. We hope that you're staying sane. Yeah. And we'll catch you on the next one. Safe travels. good one yeah all right now let's go edit so we can get this thing posted all right <laughs>